0: Another bad day, dark feelings are back in your heart with a panic attack There ain't no shame and feeling depression. You sit down and talk, son, get it off your chest It's just another bad day, dark My name's Mark Hudson and you're listening to the Andy's Man Club podcast Welcome to the uh, second episode of the Andy's Man Club podcast The aim of the Andy's Man Club podcast is to give
1: real and raw accounts of, of real normal blocks and show that, you know, you are not alone, as cliched as cliche that, that saying may be. Really privileged today to have two amazing guests. I'm going to start by introducing one of our Andy's Man Club facilitators, Neil Wayne. Over to you, Neil.
2: Hi, morning, guys. Um, thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure to be here, and obviously banging the drum for Andy's Man Club. I facilitate the Huddersfield group that's gone from strength to strength over last year, and with the help have from Huddersfield town this season, it's probably quite fitting that today's next guest is... One of the first team coaches at Town, Mark Hudson. Hiya,
0: oh, yeah. hi guys. Oh. Morning, Mark. Morning, and thanks for having me on. It's an honor, mate. Mark, I, I'm
1: I'm relatively new to football. I don't have too much uh, knowledge on it. Um, I've I've seen the amazing work that Holyfield Town have done for us, but I thought it'd be good for those people like me who are a bit uh, naive to football. Don't we have an understanding? Just give a bit of an intro about you and your background with football
0: and sports. Uh, Yeah, so um, I mean I grew up playing football, Um, it's all pretty much what I wanted to do as a young kid, Um, came through I think about 18 years roughly of professional football Um, and then a sort of smooth transition into coaching really Um, and that was testament to to Huddersfield for doing that for me. Um, They obviously saw something in me that that they'd want to keep on board and, and sort of keep me going through the ranks and, and help me learn to be a coach. And, and I'm still there now. What, um, what levels of football did you end up playing at? Um, so I played, uh, my first professional football was on loan, which was at Oldham. Um, and that was from Fulham. I came from Fulham on loan. Went there for three months. It um, was a great experience, to be honest, moving away from home. Um, moving part of the country, uh, living with another player who I became really close with, had a great time there. Ian Dowie was the manager. Uh, He left at Christmas and went to uh, manage Crystal Palace. And after that, I went back to Fulham and then he took me to Crystal Palace. So um, that was in the championship. And then that season, we we funny enough got promoted to the Premier League in for through the playoffs. So, and then I got bought by Crystal Palace. Spent f- just under five years there. Had a year at Charlton in the Championship, and then signed for Cardiff, which had five and a half years there in the Championship, and, and then got promoted to the Premier League from there as well. So, and then uh, then to Huddersfield, and I think I'm in my sixth to seventh year there now. Quality.
1: Yep, seven and in, yeah. <laughs> and you, Neil, you, you told me some some interesting. We we don't often discuss guests, but you told me something
2: interesting about what what you liked about about Mark, and and it were about leadership on it. You, you could see from when Mark first joined, it was quite a, a tough period at the, at the football club. I think on the pitch, and uh, you could it really needed leaders at that time. Um, you could tell straight away that Mark was going to be one of those for the club, and I think the fact that you got made captain and led the team and obviously again successfully to promotion to Premier League again Um, and led that from the top, from the front, a leader of men and obviously you two being in professional sport like you are, you do look up to those leaders, even just amateur sport, you know, you're, you're always looking at your captain, looking at your captain for that guidance and that support and that advice and I think somebody like Mark coming in, brilliant for the younger lads and also the experienced lads as well to see how it's how it should be done properly Um, and I think obviously that's led on to you going into a coaching career as well, which obviously stood you in good stead on that front.
0: Yeah, no, I I mean, it was I think for me it was coming in, I didn't, when I joined I didn't ask to be captain or anything like that, I think a lot of people have seen that in me. Um, It's not something I've ever asked to be, um, but I sort of tend to, I enjoy the role. Of course, it's and I, I enjoy the coaching role now, but I definitely enjoyed being captain um, at previous clubs. It's something that I found a pr- proud um, and I had pride in it and something to be to look back on and think, yeah, it was. I think it was far five, five times I've been captain at five different clubs, so it's something to be proud of for sure. That's definitely a clearly yeah. a test. Go on, Neil. Sorry, no. Go on, fire away.
1: I guess that that's that's clearly then a testament of your your standards as a as a bloke in it. What what would you say? Because you'll know deep down what what drives you and what drove you. Do you think to that point where they, they they saw something in you to to lead? What would you say that your your key factors there are your focuses? Your um, I
0: wouldn't say I wouldn't say one thing was was overriding out of all the sort of characteristics that come with maybe leaders. Um, I thought I got on well with everyone in the squad, or I tried to. Um, not to say that there weren't times where you didn't see I to eye with certain players or way coaches. Um, but I think I was honest with it. I think um, I always tried to sort of help squads blend um, and have a relationship between players as a group and staff members. I think that sort of balance of having a relationship between the two always helps. Um, always tried to help people if they needed help or give advice. Um, and that was off the pitch, really. I know um, I was vocal on it, um, but a lot of the stuff that I think leaders leaders do well is a lot of the stuff you don't see. Um, and that's probably what I think is what makes me proudest is that I've always tried to help people that maybe it could be the smallest thing, just a bit of advice, even just the time to sit with someone and, and absorb what their their problems are maybe. Within, that, within your career, Mark,
2: have you sort of, looked up to certain people from obviously starting out as a young trainee and seeing captains and managers at other clubs and thought that that's where you want to get to, where you want to be, and little snippets that you maybe picked off them to use yourself?
0: Yeah, I think when I was coming through at Fulham, I had quite um, quite a lot of high-profile leaders, really. Chris Coleman was one, looked up to him, Lee Clark, or the armband, I looked up to him. Um and Andy Melville was another one Um, just sort of I I know two of them are in centre half positions but every time I've come into sort of a club I had Tony Popovich when I was at Crystal Palace coming through I played next to him he was the captain at the time Um, and it was it was more the sort of the time that they spent of trying to help you learn and as well as obviously they want to do well so they want say their partner next to them or who they're playing with to to succeed so they can succeed. I think that's always in sport, that it's about success, isn't it, I think. um, But they always spent time with staff members. Um, They interacted well with fans. Um, They always took the time to to maybe look down and look at the the youth team coming through and spend some time with them and make them feel uh, valued. I think, well, I think as speaking as a,
2: speaking as a fan, I think obviously I've followed town for <laughs> forty years. Um, just said that out loud, didn't it? I don't look that old, do I? Really? Um, but yeah, following following your, your your local team, I think if you do get somebody within there who does have that interaction with fans, as a fan who has been on turn you know through Turner Styles as a as a young kid, you crave that, and and that's what makes supporting that club special. And when you can get an attachment to players who. Clearly care and clearly go that extra mile to, to care. That's uh, that's valuable and obviously that's been very evident with you from the minute you walk through the door. So that's uh, you know something as, as a fan that you're proud of. And that was
0: going to it. right It's something, something that you try, something you try to do. I don't think it's something that necessarily happens overnight, and it depends on the person. I think. Um, sometimes these relationships take longer, um, especially within the club as well, because sometimes certain staff members, for instance, you don't come across day to day, and those relationships take time to to build. I think what you said beautifully for me,
1: uh, and what, what I see in the the best of leaders, is what you just said about creating other leaders. I think here within Andy's Man Club, um, people would often see, being the face of it, that that was me, where I've always looked at it as that, Andy G, who's on here now. Neil's the leader of Huddersfield with his other team there. It's about creating other leaders and just driving standards so that, as you said there, you don't have to be on at people every single day because, ultimately, if you set a certain standard for your group, whether it be in sport, out of sport, it drives itself. And the other thing, what I loved was, it's not always about the task at hand. So we've, we've had a guy who, who Neil might talk about later who's, who's had a bit of a rocky time lately, And another leader of that, that group has gone and swap that lad up took him home and self-isolated him and really looking after him. And that's what a, a, a proper true leader is, isn't it? It's not just the one who's getting the applaudits. It's the ones who's
0: in the trenches as
1: well, you know, digging the shit with the, with the boys.
2: Yeah, I think absolutely. I,
0: for me, that is probably what stands out. Maybe good leaders from leaders. I think someone that can maybe stand behind and... and and not have the praise. Um, I I feel definitely that I've been one of those types of players that maybe didn't get praise on the pitch because of the way I played, but it's, I, which I'm, I knew. Um, I wasn't fancy on the eye. Um, I never knew, I never thought that I would get high praise just because of the type of player I was, but I was happy to, to help other players and people succeed in their roles. and. And watch them go and that's what sort of made me proud i think is is watching people grow and become have the careers that they did or um and enjoy doing it as well and and it's when they come to you after and say you know what what you did for me was unbelievable but that's something that other people maybe don't see and as long as you're happy to take that um and maybe not get that surrounding praise maybe media or fans or stuff like that then that separates the i think the top leaders from maybe Sort of your, your general leadership. Definitely. So, did you?
1: So, did you play
0: on Michael Collins? I knew. I know Mike. I know of Michael Collins. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't play with him, but I know of him. Yeah. Just
1: when you said you were there six years, I couldn't remember. He's a good pal of mine. I didn't know how long the he'd left and
0: like I just like thought he'd he by there, does not it? Like
1: that, and, and he, we've chatted sometimes about that yeah. transition in, from playing pro football because obviously. Rugby is a very, I played rugby and it's a very small um, piece. You know, it's, it's not the pressure cooker that football is. And he talks about that transition and every transition uh, plays a big part. But Neil, I know you probably, you, we've had a little brief chat about this, about, about Mark's public story. And I thought it'd lead on nicely because what we've painted a picture of here without even trying it is is a, a leader of men, you know, does it for right reasons, a professional footballer um, who, you know, would, what most people would say, has got the, the world at his feet. He's got everything going for him. He's now transitioning to coaching. But uh, a year or so ago, you went a bit of a tough patch, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think um, my story is well, my family's story really. It was when um, I, when I joined Cardiff. It was a it was a tough time, really, a first time of moving away from. Sort of our hub, our home, which was which was London, um, and the move came about, which was a, a sort of a great move, but it seemed like miles away, um, which is only really two and a bit hours, but it seemed like moving to the other side of the world. That's what it felt like at the time. Um, and on that, where we went to sign, um, took my wife, we went together, um, signed the contracts that day, and then driving home. Um, you, you passed Guildford to go to London. So we, it was quite late. We decided it, it was probably too late to go and pop in and see everyone in Guildford and sort of tell them the news. We decided to go back to, to London, back to home to pack up. Um, and then uh, my wife got a phone call in the morning from her mum um, telling us that her sister had killed herself. no.
2: no, no. It's, it's just one of those I mean you, you've had the you, similar scenario Luke and from obviously you two could probably re- relate very much on, on what's happened there with obviously brother-in-law sister-in-law w- when you heard that news Mark obviously it's some of the toughest news anybody's going to hear and all of a sudden yeah. can you grieve properly probably not because you've got to look after your wife and her family etc and obviously yeah. that's clear that had an impact can, can you tell us a bit about Obviously, the aftermath of that and and, and where you went from there.
0: Um, Yeah, it was was, was was probably a really tough time. Um, We so we we obviously ended up signing. um, We had to pack up home, and um, with obviously all the all the grieving going on, and um, the emotional state of the family, and the disrupt and. Uh, pain. Um, she wanted to come with me so we moved to Cardiff we lived in a hotel and she ended up we ended up living in a hotel I think for for three months I think at the time she didn't leave the hotel maybe for two months of that um, couldn't deal with um, seeing people um, socialising um, it was her sister at the end of the day it was her best friend so it was it um, was it was a really tough time. I had to still go to work. Um, no, no one knew when I joined Cardiff that that had happened. Only the manager knew. Um, he did offer me help, um, but at the end of the day, they just signed a player that spent quite a bit of money on, and they they needed to get results. So it was. Um, that's no dig at, at, at the manager. That's just um, if I needed anything, I could go to him, but sort of crack on with your work and I found it, to be honest, I found it, I look back on that year and I found it really, really tough. I know my form was poor as well, um, but without actually going, this is what's happening to me and trying to, what I thought at the time would make it look like an excuse, um, I sort of kept it to myself, Really. So from what you've said there, I mean, did, did,
2: did football become a positive distraction in any way there or was it a completely sort of flat experience at the start?
0: Um, at the start, it was just, I felt like a, it was a complete sort of daze, really. I was, I, I didn't feel confident in, like, which I should have been, should have been a great thing to to, to go there and sign and, and try and then mingle in with the, the cyclists like you normally do at any sort of walk of life, something new. You want to meet people, you want to sort of bond with people, uh, you want to get in and around. You want to make things happen um, and enjoy it while you're doing it. And it was a, it just felt like a complete blur at the, at the beginning. Um, and, and then come back and then obviously try and then pick up the wife um, from an emotional state, which she wasn't in a good place, really. So it was a tough time. I did find going to work every now and then a bit of a release, um, but it wasn't... Uh, to be any sort of benefit, really, it
1: didn't feel like I was doing my job properly. Mark, did you? And this is probably something, and I've not, I'm not really related to anyone else on this before. I, I think it's hard when you. It's not harder than 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 anything. What i it's hard when it's a, a brother or sister in law, because you are as affected as you know. You're in the family. You're part of the family. You feel that loss like they do. But then the outside world. So, because I played rugby at the time. Well they're looking at well, it's your brother in law, it's not your brother, it's not your sister. And people expect you just to sort of get on with it. And to you you've still got that you're coming home to you know, you're doing that stressful job, but then you're coming home, you try to still pay the bills and keep your farm up and all of the stuff that you already had pressure before. But then you're also going home and you try to be the, the, the loving husband, the loving partner, trying to be empathetic and then you've got you simply just getting pulled in every direction. Um, and people just—it's just—I just find it really weird. And I'm not saying it's harder at all than, than losing your own sibling or anything like that. I just find it a very weird situation to be in because I don't know if people give it the same—I don't want to say credibility, but do you, do you understand what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I don't think you can. Um, I don't think you can compare it for one being worse than the other. I think no. it, when you marry someone, you, you you marry into the family, don't you? Yes. I think. That's part exactly of
1: that. That. it. Um, yeah. I mean, like the outside perspective of it. You know, yeah. Like, Some I remember first going in, and one of the rubber lads' opinion was this: were this were one of the rugby lads' opinion. The first day I've gone back to training, he died on the Tuesday. I'd had the Tuesday. If I went back on the Thursday, and one of the rugby lads' first thing were, oh, you know, I feel real bad for you, but it's a selfish thing to do, is it? And I was like, yeah. What think? Do you think gives you the right to be to say something like that straight away? and The stigma is obviously. A big and I don't know how you found it being in a football environment. I don't know if it's similar to a rugby environment with
0: like them type of comments. I think I can only speak from probably my own experience and I think um you do over a period of time you start to think about um obviously suicide and think um you think about it in in a obviously a, a not good way and then you start to think well why and, and such there was no there's no answer to it. Um people do say it's obviously selfish what they leave behind um is is a mess and um, they leave broken families broken human beings um and it's not to say that they didn't think about that it's it's and that's why the word selfish is used i think um but it's what's going on with them at that current time um it's so it's i think i've i've thought about it a lot over the time and i've i've sometimes thought how could she be so selfish and do that to her, her family and friends? Um, but then you think about the other side of it, what she was going through to be able to do that. I think you've we, heard,
2: we heard come it across this quite a lot don't we? With, with Andy's man. We, we come across this a lot with obviously guys who try to take their life and obviously people, we all know somebody who has taken their life. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you are at the point where you're gonna, you, that's your best option, you can't reason with that, can you? You can't you can't find any sort of rhyme or reason in the fact that that's somebody's best option.
0: I don't think you'll ever understand unless they someone's been through it. What that actual mindset is at the time. Um, yeah. Unless you've been in that situation, no one can ever understand what are those thoughts that are going through and in that individual's mind. Um,
2: how, how how long did you bottle it up for? How long did you sort of keep it suppressed
0: before you? Well, we, we tried to deal with it um that that season we tried to speak to someone um which didn't feel right um she my wife um tried and to be honest she's only dealt with it probably the last year and then we're looking at we're looking at 10 years ago um so um it's still still situations where she for instance, we've got um, a home phone that's got uh, voice recordings on it. Um, or if you're looking at on, on a computer with some video footage of, of back in 10, 10 years plus, um, she finds it very, very difficult to, to, to look back. And with any kind of fond memories, I think it's really just really painful. Um, yeah. I think we've tried to visit through for years to, to, to speak to people about it. I've found... I found probably talking about it more than she has, and I don't know whether that's because I'm, like you said, uh, a brother-in-law, um, that I found it easier to talk about bit by bit. And the more I did, the more I felt better for it. Um, but every time my wife's talked about it, it really sort of brings up every emotion that maybe she went through at the time. I think you've just... Let on not something really good. And this is a man's page, uh, as they
1: call it, but they've got a lot of women followers who backers, us. And, and I think there's a big stigma at times that, that women meet up, have a glass of wine, talk about how they feel. And I, I'm finding the more I work with men and women, that sometimes us men, you know, at times do find it a little bit easier. There's always this stigma that men don't talk. But sometimes us men, when we do start to talk, we do feel it's a bit easier. Some women, my partner's exactly the same. I probably won't have a full conversation about about that with her about her little brother. Um, and it's just weird evening from you because... You know, both sportsmen, you'd think that we'd find it tougher speaking about something like that as blokes and how we feel about it than, than our partners. But she's very much the same, exactly the same as your partner, by the sounds of it. Would find it very uncomfortable. And because she finds it uncomfortable, she just not to talk about it.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and then that bottle bottle up and then maybe comes out in different ways. And that's, yeah. I, fa- I find that fascinating, very fascinating. And I yeah, I
0: that's... think, from, sorry, from my point of view, I think um, I think when you're talking about stuff, like this and how hard and painful it is. I think talking amongst your friends maybe doesn't seem like an option because you, when you're with your mates and my group of mates say, for instance, are the ones I grew up with, um, it's not that they're not there for you, but you sometimes feel that, do they want to see me break down and and like really unravel and, and, and then share all those feelings with them and, I know they would. I think I think maybe when, I think it's an age thing as well, the older I've got, the more that they've been like, you know what, what you went through is like so tough and you did try and talk about it. And I think the younger you are, it's so hard for them to feel maybe that sort of connection to that, what they're going through, because you don't really understand your own emotions maybe that when you're a bit younger. And it's that lad culture, in it? That all, you know, lads want to have banter and, you know, look cool
1: and not feel embarrassed about stuff and giving on hope to have banter with, where, like you say, probably most people could sit and the mates would listen, but it's that stigma we create as blokes. And as I said a minute ago, not just blokes, you know, women have those same sort of stigmas as well, don't they?
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I understand. It's, it's, it's so so difficult to talk about. And, and finding the right people to talk about it with, I think, you know, it's like, like so we talked about friends um, and I've, I've spoke to people outside of work about it and um, probably the, the person I spoke to most was a um, sports psychologist actually, um, a guy called John Marzette who works for the football club um, and just having a time with him and him maybe asking the right questions and having that relationship with them that you feel comfortable to tell them um, definitely helped me were
2: there, were there anything in particular, Mark, when obviously when all this is going on, was there anything that you used as a, a particular coping strategy? Or did you just sort of get lost behind it or
0: you know, did he go for walks, did he use music and things like that? Um, I think the older I've got the more I understand probably myself. Um, I think at the time when it was going through like I don't know. If it, you heard but when I went through my probably my worst bit was I couldn't go to the hairdressers I felt really uncomfortable with having like you know the the cover you have put on and and in that situation where they sort of focused on you and it's these just things sort of clammy hands and I didn't know that at the time and I've obviously looked back at that and I think that was Definitely a sign of I was struggling. I didn't like situations where I didn't know people. If I knew them, I felt okay. But if I didn't know what I was going into, and there was quite a few people there, I felt very uncomfortable with it. Which is how, how did is, you it, find that
2: look when I, when Andy died? That same situation. What did you used to cope and? Um, I think for me, it,
1: it, were, it were building this like literally four days. It were like after like because own struggles, being a bloke, you know, not really talking, letting drink get in the way, the, the negative coping strategies that, that guys think work, what I thought, you know, would, would let it take over. Um, it it was about trying to just utilise it as a positive. And I, I found it most uncomfortable uh, at rugby, um, you know, talking about it because lads are just still cracking on playing and, and having a good... And up until that point, I had my best season and Andy died and just sort of like lost that form, lost that probably spark. Because um, you've got so much going on in your personal life that you know it, it's difficult. So probably initially it would just try to get that focus on on trying to help another person, another human being. Um, but it won't it won't easy, you know. Like Mark saying, there it's you know it, it's just a difficult. It's a weird place to be. It's just a weird place to be because you know even some of my own family, my, my side of the family, they probably did, probably didn't get it. I think with a lot of things until you're affected by something personally, you don't understand it. Do you? And when you don't understand something, you, you've got no emotion to it. Uh, myself included, I would have never really cared or known about suicide before this. Not that I wouldn't have cared about another human being, I just didn't know about it. So I would have never heard known dying by it, I would have not known about it. I'd have been uh, blase by it, probably similar to Rugby Lads, or it's selfish, or that type of mentality. And then when it hits you, and then you do ask all those questions, like what Mark said, you laid there on the night going through every scenario in your head, of like, why have they left uh, You know, my partner, why have they done this to the, the, my mother and father-in-law, and... All these types of stuff, and then you start to understand, like, where must someone be? But then, um, on the flip side, and for anyone who's listening, however, you're feeling right now, like, by tomorrow, the day after a week, one year from now, it changes the amount of people I've spoken to who've said that they've, they've attempted to take a life and it just didn't happen for whatever reason. You know, they got saved and they'd be devastated now looking back if that would have been the case. And I think, you know, in memory of Mark, Mark's sister in law, and Andy, and everyone else who where, where ended up being successful um, in terms of suicide I think that's what we're all trying to do now is prevent and give hope to other people that's what I think these podcasts and, and, and this type of stuff's about. And I think what would be really nice is, is is to take Mark through a, an Andy's Manko I
2: don't know what you think without man. a doubt I think, I think we should I do that be, and I've got I've got,
0: got an Andy's facilitate. Man ball ready
2: <laughs> I think you should facilitate I can do that that's no that's no you problem have, whatsoever so
0: yeah I'm up for that yeah.
1: Yeah, give me a little test over about. I haven't got an Andy's Band Club ball, but I've got loads of teddies. Oh, no. <laughs> and these, I do have kids, by the way. These are plenty of like teddies. <laughs> <laughs> I think I will use this guy. Yeah, so
2: a bit more mature. Yeah, I think this is useful for people who who don't really know what Andy's Band Club is, apart from all the black and white stuff they say all over Twitter and Facebook and what have you. And it's for blokes. So doing doing things like this is a good little insight for people, men and women, to see what we do actually do. And what we actually do is very, very simple, but off the scale effective. Um, so there's just a few things that I will run through before we start, if we're going to do it properly. We'll, uh, we don't talk about religion, politics or medication. Um, religion and politics probably the two most divisive subjects on the planet, especially in the current climate and medication obviously we're not medical professionals, so we can't advise you on that we just advise you to go to your to your gp in that scenario um and we'll start as we always start obviously when we when we get the ball, to introduce ourselves so anybody watching i'm neil and the first question is always how's your week been um and i'll be honest my week's been probably one of the most bizarre strange surreal horrible but then good weeks i've i've ever had um that's just a, a brief intro And I'll tell you a bit more About that On my positive I mean on the me, uh, Get off your chest So Obviously Good possibility In the room Luke I'll pass it over to you How's your week been? Get that ball mate There it is yeah. <laughs> There It morphed Into a wrestler um,
1: I've had a, a, an up and down week You know I'm always very positive In these How's your week been Because I think You know every If we judges Week by like, One bad hour Or one bad day you know, we can feel bad about it. But I think it's been a bit of a... This third week, and I'm seeing it trends on a lot of people, it's been a bit of a transition. You know, first two weeks, I think people were were enjoying this break and this stuff at home. And third week, that pressure cooker comes, doesn't it? You know, and a little boy had a bit of a meltdown that he wanted to go back to school. And, he, you know, we were finding it hard at home. And routines are a little bit out of the window because it's school message saying it's it's actually Easter holidays. So let them have a week off, which just fruit routine out. Me and Mrs. were up and down. Uh, just with that same routine and kids and, and baby, so um, but all that together squashed in to say that we've been together three weeks and we don't spend that much this this amount of time together. I think it's been pretty positive actually to only have one little blip here and there. And um, overall, in terms of how's a week, been very, very good, very good, simplifying things. And I'm enjoying that that simple
0: life over you, Max? I'll take the ball then. I've got my imaginary, <laughs> yeah, ball. there it is. <laughs> um yeah, my week's been uh, very similar, probably to to, to you two. It's been up and down. Um, it is. I think we're going into probably our third to fourth week, maybe third week of being together um, consistently, and I think that's something that's never happened for us as a family. Um, not forced upon anyway we spent quite a lot of time together but not something where you can't escape pop out in the car go and do your shopping at ease or whether it's going to work um so yeah we're we're right in each other's um eye line pretty much 24 uh, 7 i've got three kids um nine six and uh just under two right mix of ages so i found that interesting homeschooling as well that's been um that's been testing, but we've we've come away from that this week. Um, found out that you, the more time you spend with, especially the toddler, that speech is coming on. Um, yes. And the boy, he started to ride his bike freely, with no 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 stabilisers or anything like that. He's banging to his football. Um, they want your attention twenty four seven as well. Sometimes that's not possible. Um, and yeah, my move has been a bit up and down. I think. And sort of in my wife together this much with that stress of three kids is um, been a bit touchy, um, short fuse every now and then. Probably more me, um, but yeah, no, we've we've only had the odd blip, which considering the situation isn't too bad.
2: Spot on. I think just before I got the question too, I think obviously I've got you two on the screen side by side, here, and the similarities from the professional sport to the in law. Suicide to the situation at home now with three kids of similar age the old listening old to same that. That the is yeah, that yeah, is uh, uncanny. To be fair, it's uh, it's actually it's really fascinating to be on hmm. on the other side of this. I
1: exactly the same. then just thinking, and I'm so glad that the other people listening who who are also uh, now happy that they are not alone in the fact that they've argued with their missus. They've got three kids like like we both have. I'm ten, six, or going six next week, and a. Uh, 16, 17 month old, who, like you've just said, speech is getting better, but he's up from 6 a.m. and very rarely likes to nap. And it's just every single second of your day, other than this, which is great, because you're timing it at 11 o'clock when she's having a nap, which she'll be causing havoc in about 10 minutes. He's just brilliant, just to know that I'm not a bad dad. I'm not a bad bloke, just because, you know, that pressure cooker of being in your house constantly when you're used to being out and doing stuff. I think I think you know, other people will just be like me now, just going,
0: I'm glad it's not just me. Yeah,
1: yeah
0: no, absolutely. I agree. I, to be fair, I spoke to a couple of the, the, the lads that I know quite well and with their kids and stuff like that. And I think when we had two, um, you can have one each. I think when the third <laughs> one comes along and you realise that you're trying to homeschool with a nine and a six-year-old, they want your attention. But then this little one comes up underneath you and you're like... Yes, oh. <laughs> Join oh, in. exactly. That. Exactly,
2: brilliant. That. Love it, love it. Two, two very similar stories. Um, so moving on to question two: a positive from your week. Luke, um, I touched on this with mine earlier on, and it's the fact that a, a situation that happened within within the Ullsfjell Group or within people involved in the Ullsfjell Group has seen one one of the facilitators of Ullsfjell really sort of come to the fore in his usual understated manner and really take another guy um, into his family, literally into his family, in the current climate. He's moved him in, he's looking after him, he's supported him, and that's been that's been my highlight. It's been absolutely amazing to see, and I'll tell you a bit more about that situation on question three. So so that's mine. So Luke, positive for me week, please. Um,
1: two, one would be uh, I've lost a stone this week just by training again. I've got back training, and that's... Really helping the physical, mental side. It's something I've been wanting to do for a while. So really on that, enjoying the running. It's OK to run challenge that Andy's Man Club's got going on. So I'm getting out running most days. Uh, another one that's a bit personal to home and also AMC is I've got a, an, uh, an uncle who's, who's fighting for his life in intensive care with COVID-19 and touch wood. And I'll find out straight after this, this podcast. But yesterday, it looked like things were taking a turn for better. So he's in intensive care but he's starting to breathe on his own, so I'm hoping that, you know, things are going to just uh, continue to pick up there, I'm Really, I'm really hopeful um, in that department, and we've also got one of our facilitators, who's also fighting for his life in intensive care, you know, the, the, the last I heard was a very similar story, he's going in the right direction, and I know that at any point it can change, but the positive right now is that they're both still fighting, and like in a mental health capacity, as long as you can keep fighting, that's you've, you've still got hope, and that's, that's what it's about, so. Brilliant.
2: Mark, positive for your week.
0: Um, yeah, I think the, the physical side of thing is, is key. I'm probably fitter now than I have been over the last um, maybe eighteen months to two years of retiring. Um, I think it's something that I found more time to do. Um, wife's quite keen on on home gym as well, so um, I probably feel a bit fitter than I have done. Um, a lot of challenges going around on social media, so I've tried to keep up with them. Um, and probably spending time with the kids more than I ever have, really. I think that is, is a massive positive. And sometimes it is testing and you don't see it that way. But then when you see, say, the middle one riding his bike around the garden without any stabilizers, you realize that there are like stresses and they may be small, but there's, there's things to, to smile to for sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Um
2: so question three is the one that always gets people talking on Monday night is have you got anything to get off your chest? Um obviously we've spoken quite a lot about stuff that we've got stuff off his chest over the last sort of eight, nine, ten years between us by the sounds of it. And I think mine for this week is I took a phone call from um the one of the well, the country's youngest facilitator on I can't remember what date. Well, I've lost days completely this week to be honest, but it's uh telling me he'd taken an overdose. Um, probably, arguably, the, the toughest phone call I've ever been on the receiving end of. Um, just trying to keep him talking and get help to him and, and whatever else. So that were a, that's been a, a, a testing week, shall we say, but mm. what I show is the strength of Andy's man club because I knew that got my wife's phone, got her on phone to somebody else while I was keeping him talking on phone and, other people involved and I'm, I'm going to, to name him actually the lad who's been helping uh, I think he deserves a bit of credit That uh, called Daniel um, effectively known others Huddersfield as Frodo for his similarity to, to a certain character <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he has he's, he's stepped up this week enormously his family have took uh, Dylan in and Dylan's happy for me to say his name they've, they've took Dylan in this week um, and looked after him like one of theirs and that's that makes me immensely proud and shows what AMC's all about. So my get off your chest is actually turned into a bit of a, a massive positive. So yeah, really happy about that. So Luke, you. To the 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 one magic. I know Dylan's a magician, but he just
1: made his guest disappear.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Likes his magic. You mentioned his name and <laughs> his guest has disappeared. That's brilliant.
2: He's working in mysterious
1: ways. way. It's good, isn't it? It's real. That's what it's about. Yeah, it is. It's, it's quality, you it that, that Dylan's all right. Yeah, and I spoke to... um
2: speaking fucking about.
1: Bye, It's all right. It's so weird because Dylan's... Uh, been on like a magic show for BBC for us and all sorts and we mentioned his name and poof you'd gone, it was like he just a <laughs> <the> magic trick, <laughs> that's quality, uh, oh to get off chest, uh, obviously it we're Andy's um, anniversary and we always um, get together as a family and go out for a meal, we'll let balloons off at his grave, uh, it's something we've done for years, it's his fourth anniversary and we're looking You know, we we're looking forward to doing it, I say, Michelle. we couldn't do that, went to the grave, um, still though. On as one hour family walk, we timed it that you know Andy's mum was still there uh, at the time, and we weren't allowed to go within two meters, which were difficult, you know. Um, which you know is a bit annoying when people are out doing what they're doing and, and not respecting the guidelines, and you know we're, we're bang on with that. So that 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 were hard. The positive was the amount of stuff that came in, even facilitators saying how clubs save the life and, and stuff like that. I just put a real positive spin on that day, and and, and that were big and. Um, Another little offload or or off your chest. It's been a touch a week with misses with with kids, and you know and all that pressure. But it's um, it's we have just communicated really well. I think we communicate probably the best we have in maybe ten years of being together. This week we had a good chat yesterday, and and things are really um back on the up, and that's that's really good. And yeah, other than that, I think things are going to be all right out there. You know, we've got a lot of shit going on in the world, but. How good is it that people can get together? The heroes at World, you know, NHS are getting credit deserve. And, yeah, I just... The, the the last one for me is is we don't talk politics, and I'm not going to talk politics. We talk about a human being. And I'll cut, I'll cut you off if you do. <laughs> yeah, and, and he's... The guy has clearly had some flaws, um, you know, as we all have. And he's uh, obviously got a lot of pros as well for being at work as well. But, you know, Boris Johnson, I don't want to single him out as uh, as a guy who's in intensive care. But, you know, I just think as a, as a country, we talk about, like, after Caroline Flat about being kind. That don't mean just the people you like. That don't mean that you get the right to choose who that be kind is to. You know, if you've got not nice to on social media, just keep it to yourself. Because I just think, like, there's a guy there fighting for his life. And you end know, it there. four years from now, two years from now, he might not be Prime Minister, there'll still be a dad there'll still be another human being he'll still shit just like we do and eat like we do uh, albeit probably a lot better food than we get and access to you know a lot better toilets but because he's loaded in it, but you get the picture don't <laughs> you? and I just think be kind you know the, the shit I've seen going on I just don't think it's right nice and I don't care about what political party he's from or anything I don't really care about politics what I care about it's is his human beings at uh, his root yeah. cause being the best version of themselves and that means being the best version of the community and that's what leaders are like what Mark was saying earlier checking in with people and making sure each and every one of us is the best version of ourselves. absolutely or above a run
0: how about you Mark? Be- um, well so i say starting off my chest um I thought I was pretty patient Um I still think I am pretty patient but it's definitely tested my patience this week Um I feel that I'm usually uh, quite good at having targets to hit and um, and looking for, like with especially with having routine in my life uh, since a young young age. Um, found it difficult not having to get like the work to go to, um, and that's not to say that I'm not enjoying being at home with the family and stuff like that. But it's it's probably the most testing time for me um, having it forced upon um, on me uh, that trying to feel like a sense of, of achievement. I don't know whether that's wrong or right. I just feel that that's, that's my sort of overriding feeling. I minute. Mean, I don't know if that's selfish. Um, I find that sort of... I'm not used to sit like doing stuff at home consistently and then feeling like, uh, what is the achievement? And I know that we've got through the kids doing stuff and I feel great for that when I bring myself back down for feeling short-tempered. But it's been... Um, it's been an eye-opener to, to me to feel like um, really what's important I think um, like I said I have struggled when I feel like I should be doing something work related um, maybe whether that's a sense of I feel like I'm letting people down I don't know whether that like I should be doing something today related to work because it's important but then what's really important is what what I have in this house so yes absolutely. and that's the wife and three kids so I think that's trying to find that balance of okay, yeah, I do feel like I should be doing something, but this is what's important right now, and that's that's definitely how I felt this week. It's probably the the worst I felt, um, and it's it's great that I've have been able to come on here and, and chat to you, you three, and 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 sort of share this as well because I think it's been important this week.
2: Yeah, I think to be honest, what what you've said there leads us perfectly onto our question four, which is. What have you learned about yourself during this obviously strange period for not just us but for everybody in the world? And uh, and why? You know. So I mean, what have I learned about myself? I'm actually a lot more tolerant than I thought I was. Um, I could I could be very sort of I don't want to say judgmental, but maybe not give people the the airtime that they probably deserved. And I think this is sort of show me that I do and I can. And it's, uh, it's, it's led me on to talking to people a lot more. Um, normally I'd just give my dad a quick ring maybe a minute or text him or speak to my mum a minute on phone, or I don't text my mum because she doesn't, she doesn't text back. She's not how I use it. Um, but just having I mean, FaceTimes with them and FaceTimes with friends, that I would normally just drop a text and the you're, you're all right. So I think that's something that that I'll take into... The, the future world whatever, whatever that may hold for us all we obviously we don't know yet do we but yeah so it's uh I've I've learned I'm more tolerant and, and that's why so Luke what have you learned about yourself during this and why just just to just to paint a picture
1: so um <clears throat> I I uh, run uh, four businesses and have one charity um that's my days from the minute I wake up to the minute I go to bed plus extra time even in bed, it's just consumed. It's just completely, unutterly consumed. And probably like Mark, from being uh, 12, 13, 14, wanting to be a professional sports person, you're just constantly in the grind, in the grind, in the grind. Then you retire, and you find your next thing. It's always goal, goals, 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 goals. And for the first time in my life, I've got nothing like to do. All businesses are closed down if, in, until the are until whenever that may be indefinitely. And I've always thought that, that I couldn't stay at home like I couldn't honestly tell you is either one of you is looking back for the last five years, when I spent more than three hours in a day in my house, I couldn't I couldn't find it. It's always on the go, nipping at a coffee shop, nipping there, getting that done, getting that done. And I found I've really enjoyed I've been trying to find for a while, I've been focusing on like this idea of that, like this bigger idea, like what is it all about? You know, because you of both to set goals in your life, you'll achieve them and you'll look for oh, is this it? And then it'll be next one and next one and next one. And I think what I've learned is, is that I don't always need, and this is what Mark got me thinking about it, and it's emphasised what I've been on about lately, is that I don't always need to be driven to summer because all the things that I'm driving towards are just to give more or be more for my family, and they maybe don't get that version of me anyway. So actually, by when this all ends, working smarter and enjoying this time at home, and I think that's a big thing, to enjoying the present. I think too much as a society, we, we're judged on our success by how busy we are, how active we are. And I find it myself on Instagram, Twitter, doing this and doing that, but actually just just being being present. So if, if the answer to the question in a short version would be I've learned that I can simply, I need very little now that i thought to function. So when I go on to, back into the normal life, I will be taking that simplicity with me and I think it'll actually probably improve my me now as a speaker and as a businessman. about Mark?
0: Um, yeah, what I've learned about myself this week, um, that it's the simple things I think in, in life that are probably the, what give you the most reward, I think, especially having three kids. And obviously this is, only to people that have, have kids and and will understand it is that all they want is your attention. Um, and, and when you're busy and you're working, you're like, yeah, give me two minutes or, yeah, I'll just do this and I'll, I'll, I'll give you that time, one second, let me do this, I'm finishing this. And and then when it's when you don't have that to, to, to do and then you give them the time, the attention that they want straight away, and obviously that's not possible every second of the day, but how much they, they benefit from it um, and just the little things of, like, the little girl's climbing, she's not even two yet, she's climbing everything and when she gets up to the top of something, she's done it on her own, she turns around and she just gives you a look to say, look, you've helped me do that and then, and it's just a smile, maybe and a laugh and I think just having that, instead of thinking, right, let me do this first and then that moment's gone, but enjoying that little moment that there is. Yes. Yeah, I like it.
2: Some cracking answers. And then question five, always a bit of a quick fire round. Uh, what one thing will you take away as a positive and implement it after this sort of lockdown? Um, my mind's pretty much repeating what I said in question four, just to be a lot more tolerant and patient to people. And it's 100% what I'll take into the sort of aftermath of this and, and talking to people a lot more via FaceTime and video calls rather than the text. But the text is. It's actually very lazy, is it? It's very lazy and almost dismissive. I've learnt that. So it's it's better to have that sort of definite personal interaction. So I'll, I'll be taking that into it. Luke?
1: Our roots as human beings are animals, aren't we, who require shelter, food and love. And I think I've emphasised that those three things are the simple things and they are the big things. And that's all my focus will be when this is all done. The love will be more, like Mark just said, Spending more time with kids and everything, before. getting rid of that one minute, one minute, one minute. And I'm just doing this it's for you guys. It's not, you know, and they're like, I don't care if you're sending an email about yeah. work. I don't care if I can go on an extra holiday. It's about that simple stuff. I've spent more time in the Garden in the last three weeks than I probably have in, you know, five years of living here. But the one thing I'll take away is is, is that one hour of exercise with the kids. We're going to walk every night now, the, the little woodlands walk round Park. We'd have never done that usually. And the fact that they just love getting the bike out, doing a 10-minute walk, I'll take that in a couple well, like, because that just simplifies it all. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think for <laughs> me, mine would be um, still how important it is to, to not bottle stuff up, even if it is just your family, like with the wife. I think um, just being able to talk about something that you feel like maybe I'll do, like I mentioned before, about being frustrated and I don't feel like I'm achieving at work and just... And actually saying it out loud to her, and then and then having starting a conversation maybe that's not related to the kids, but more related to sort of each other. Because as you understand, when you're with chasing three kids around, maybe you don't have that interaction, um, and you sort of passing each other quite consistently. Um, but actually spending maybe an hour a day having just a, a general conversation about like, what is going on, like, how do you feel, and stuff like that. and and not just bottling it up, because you're at home, you think, oh, I'll just deal with it myself while I'm at home. Um, but being able to have that, I think that helps the relationship. And I've got to continue that this week, for sure. Excellent. Love it. So just to, just to round off, because obviously we've
2: had question five there. We've probably a little bit serious on his man club on that. So I'll just chuck in another one, if you don't mind it, quickly. What were the last things that made you laugh out loud? Um, for me, watching clips of Vicky Flanagan because he absolutely creases me. He just takes you back to takes you back to being younger and when times were a bit more simple and yeah, just a, a proper good, better laugh because everybody good doesn't it. So Luke, what's last thing that made you laugh out loud? Um, every time
1: I see him on the uh, an interview with Tyson Fury's dad, um, he just absolutely cracks me up. The way he always refers to his son as Tyson Fury, both names, and it was a, the one recently, there's actually a lot of clips of him where he's funny he's things, and he's not even trying to be funny. Where he offers everyone out, but it's where he offered Dana White out, because uh, Dana White said there's someone better cop in MMA, and he said something like, "You tell Dana White, uh, I'm 50 year old, I'm the fittest man you'll ever meet, 50 fittest 50 year old, you ever me, and I'll uh, I'll slap Tyson's Tyson Fury's name out of his mouth." think um, <laughs> what to fight me, I mean it had a clip of him running and he he wasn't very fast at running. And it's just the fact that has himself fifty year old up it, I just find it absolutely <laughs>
0: unbelievable. So I just
1: think what a look.
0: mine um, would be we've got like um a game called a giant board game. Um and it's you just it's basically laid across the floor and it's got like four questions. It's got like a performance, um it's got like a question and answer, it's got a random one and it's got a, like a, a challenge. Um, and one of mine was to give everyone a piggyback um, at one time and going through the ages and then giving your wife a piggyback, it's something it, it, it just burst out laughing yes. <laughs> to So they all enjoyed that. I found it quite funny. I love that. Love
2: it. So that's I think that's um that sort of brings us nicely to a to an end on that. I just think obviously Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Um it's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure to have you on. It's been brilliant to hear that's your right. your story from obviously being a young man getting into football and the, the captaincy and the first team coaching and obviously the more personal side, which is obviously what Handles Man Club's all about really. But yeah, just 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 thank you and, and thanks to to you and everybody have filled time for everything that you've done for Andy's Band Club this season. Definitely. It's been no, absolutely
0: so massive. Thank you and keep it up, all the good work that you're doing. It's amazing um, and so important. So, a no, big, big thank you to you guys as well.
1: I think it'll be good to get Mark up no, think... for a part two once the lockdown's ended and he's back into grinding football and we can look back at some of this stuff we, we all spoke about and we can see where we're all at and, you know, how, how football might change and life might change and if stuff's still going on with family. I think, I don't know if you'd be up for that, Mark,
0: coming on. Yeah, right? of course I would. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything I can do, yeah. And it'll be interesting, like you said, to see where we are and once the world starts to sort of get back to, to normality and see what where everyone is at. i use a quick one for you, Bob. i have got it
2: it's, uh, it's okay to talk, innit? Always. Definitely. I've got a quick
1: one for you. How long do you reckon this is going to last? I just love this. I love people, different people's... Because I speak to some people and go, oh, next week, and then some people are like, five years, and it's like... Where are you boys
0: oh. at? <laughs> Um, I'm going to go for the hopeful three weeks. Three weeks? Lockdown, you mean, or just generally the virus?
1: So, like, lo- lockdown, but then obviously when they actually start to allow... OK, he's a good one. When do you think the next football will be kicked in a sure. stadium properly? Sure. That that will <laughs> sum up. Once they allow the sports ground to open, that means that the world's open again, doesn't it? So when do you think that will be... Yeah, I'm not about the back behind closed doors.
0: You mean like a full stadium?
1: Yes, proper game. I,
2: I can't see it being this side of September.
0: Genuinely care. Well, I don't, know. T- a full stadium. I don't know. I don't want to put, I don't want to put a, a hopeful day on that. I just, sooner rather than later, I've got to say. I think I think uh, no professional sport
2: in 2020. That's a big shout, is it? Wow. That's huge. Oh, the thing yeah, is, I, I wouldn't bet against that's that. I wouldn't bet against that. The oh, priority yeah. is that people, oh, yeah. th- that we get through this and, and more people survive than don't. And uh,
0: Yeah.
2: We'll I so. worry about all the other stuff that's around the edge afterwards. That, that prediction is just like Mark. feeling a lot worse after the oh. podcast. <laughs> <It's> like, oh, <laughs> oh
1: my God, what's going on? Yeah.
2: Please God no! The <laughs> youngest still be your youngest will be seven. <laughs> Go play
1: Tyson Fury's dad on YouTube, and that will cheer everyone up. Trust me. Absolutely. But well, yeah, that's been brilliant, gents. Absolute, absolute pleasure.
0: Cheers, thank you.
1: If we all just do a little uh, check out, it's okay to talk.
0: It's, it's okay to talk. talk.